Welcome to Explain with Kane. I'm Kane. And this is Luke. And we're going to be talking about Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies is like one of my favorite books. I read it during quarantine. It was a very dark time in my life. But it's such an intense book. And I feel like there's a lot to be said about it. Not from the author. Have you heard the author's thoughts on Lord of the Flies? I have not. The author hates Lord of the Flies. He said it's the most boring, predictable book he's ever ever read, ever written. He said that the he started writing and everything just kind of like obvious plot line obvious characters everything just like came together but a lot of people read a lot into it what did you think of lord of the flies my well brother? here's this uh last time i read it was i think seventh grade so i'm gonna have to ask you to give us an let's do a rundown okay so the book starts with a bunch of kids a bunch of boy kids on an airplane, right? And they crash and they're stranded on an island. There's Gnarly. no adults anywhere. And the two characters that are most prominent in the very beginning of the book are Piggy and Ralph. Ralph is your typical cool guy. He's got cool hair. He's super tan. He can swim really well. And Piggy is from a lower class part of England. And I guess the thing about England that I didn't know until I read this book is like, you can tell where someone falls in the class line by their accent it shows where they're from i guess in the way that you can tell where someone is from in america the you know the, the minnesota accent or the southern drawl or just how they talk you can tell where they're from kind of yeah well the same thing like applies in england and back in those days it really decided where you fell on the class line so piggy was not able to hide the fact that he was of a lower class than everyone else and he was old chunky and he had glasses and he has asthma and Ralph, yeah Ralph constantly brings this up he constantly says whenever Piggy says anything like hey I have like asthma I'm really struggling here Ralph makes fun of him in his accent and will go sucks to your asthma because that's how he says asthma because of his accent got you well the book goes on there's a group of choir boys on the trip that crashed also, and their leader's name is Jack. Jack is such a horrible person. I can't stand him from the very beginning. He's the worst person you've ever met in your entire life. He's like, takes this opportunity to be like, I should be the leader because I was in, I was the, I was the best in choir, which is the stupidest reason to ever be a leader ever. Yep. Everyone elects Ralph, and Jack is super upset about this. And he is, like, so pro-violence. He's like, we need to go out there into the woods and just start killing pigs. And Ralph's like, our main objective is not to live here for the rest of our lives. Our main objective is to get off this island. Like, we need to set a fire on the highest point of this island, keep it burning, and hope someone sees it. That needs to be, like, primary objective. But Jack's kind of, like, okay with living on the island for the rest of their existence and, like, surviving and just is it's just being dirty and hunting pigs that just like roam on this island heck yeah so some of the theories in the book as the book goes on it gets absolutely that shit it goes so crazy because all of these boys start to follow jack because they're in love with his like just fire and like need to constantly have violence and they turn on ralph the end of the book is Who's all jack? of them the leader of the choir boys okay the end of the book is ralph running for his life through the woods and everyone else chasing him while the island is on fire and they're all trying to kill him and he stumbles onto the beach and the navy pulls up and the navy's like what is going on and 
Ralph just starts crying. And, like, the leader of the Navy, the Admiral, I believe it's the Admiral is what it's called, he's like, what? You guys are British. You're supposed to be, like, the best. You're supposed to be able to handle yourselves and always, like, be on your best behavior. What is going on? So a lot of people have taken this book to kind of mean a couple of things. And one, obviously, would be that our nature will automatically take over no matter what, and we will become savages. And other people are saying, well, the thing is, the group is all boys. If women had crashed on the island, it was kind of more of a narrative of men will always ruin everything and (laughs) women will always be able to um, compose themselves. So I would actually really like to read a woman's Lord of the Flies. I bet you there's something out there. Someone had to wrote something eventually. But yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Luke? Interesting. Um... What, so so what where does the name come from Lord of the Flies okay so the first pig that they kill don't they put the head on a spear they do put the head on the spear and the bunch of flies just swarm it and this one little boy is off in the middle of the woods and he's super dehydrated you know he hasn't ate anything he's young this is very traumatic for him and he kind of just like lays down and he's looking at this pig on a stick. And he refers to it as the Lord of the Flies. And he hears it, like, speaking to him and saying all these, like, crazy things. And it's just, like, and so then he, they, the name of the book is Lord of the Flies. And so that's why they called it Lord of the Flies, because of that one scene? Or is there more of a impact that that scene has on the book? It's a lot, like, so... All of these boys are trying... Like, the first thing that they do is they sit down and they're, like we need to pick a leader. They're not like, hey, let's all just kind of form a group of people who are trying to survive and we'll all work together and everything is going to be hunky-dory. They're like, we need to pick someone who's in charge. We need a boss. We need someone who like tells us what to do. Yeah. Which I think is is very much the human condition. As much as people want freedom, they very much want a leader. I think you see that all throughout the ages as far as people just like even people that like didn't have a leader uh, f- for me as you know I'm a Bible type guy and the uh, the Israelites were a free people who relied on their relationship with God right and God would give them what what they needed to do and led them however they desired a king just like every other society that was there and so then you know they had a king and then corruption happened and all this kind of stuff absolute power corrupts absolutely i feel like that is a thing that is um still very much to in this day of everyone wants a leader even though our society you know hates every president we ever have um we still are people who need and want, we want to be led. I don't think that's true for everyone because you do have a very large anarchist party in America. I don't know if you know about this. I work at a diner and I was telling someone just casually that, you know, I don't really love the idea. Well, I'm not very like private about the fact that like, I think the government's super, super, super corrupt and Mm -hmm. is like doing all this shady things. And I just, you know, mentioned and, he told me, you know, you're only ever three books away from being an anarchist. And he gave me the three books. And 
well, he's I would, very pro-anarchy. I mean, there's a lot of people in this country who are like absolutely would, for, you know, don't want a leader. Um, I would, I would very much argue that that anarchist group has a leader. I think that every group that there is has a leader. There is someone who leads a group. It's not just everyone makes a decision. There is a leader. Like that's, that's the way that, I mean, I don't know. That's what I would argue is that that group has a, has a leader. Do you think now this is just my musings and it's not like a personal view or anything, but do you think that comes from like a patriarchal society because men are driven I read about this in a psychology book. Men are driven to climb <laughs> to climb ladders. You know, there used to only be one ladder, and that was like the king. There was there was no one higher than the king. But now we have like a multitude of ladders for for men to climb, and that's uh, you could be really successful in business. You could be really successful in just the way that you look, or really successful in the gym, or you know, there's multiple things that you can be like the very best at. No, I feel like that, that there's always been ladders and that there's always, I mean, people have always been, been trying to fight. Like even when there were Kings, the peasants still sold things and, you know, tried to make money. And so they were climbing up that ladder. Like, yeah, I mean, I think of, uh, the movie, the Knight's tale, love the Knight's tale. a man can rewrite his stars. Man can change his stars. So, uh, I mean, I think that William off chills, you have been weighed, you You have have been been measured measured, and you you have have been found wanting. Um, and so like, I think that, that we, God save you if it should be right for him to do so. Rather, what what is the, what is the one quote? (laughs) Rather, rather, uh, better a girl with a flower. Than a boy, boy with, with a stick, stick in a horse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, I uh, no, I think that there's always been been uh, no matter what situation you are in throughout the ages, there's always you know a thing that you try and, and better yourself. And I think that I don't think it necessarily has to do with uh, society. Some people might get their inspiration from society, but I think it's written in humans to um be productive i mean i guess you know if you think about us from a natural standpoint we do tend to i mean even animals um have you heard about the naked mole rat yes i have heard yeah yeah (laughs) the naked mole rat is a matriarchal society so they have a queen like bees yeah the thing with the naked mole rat is they're actually like super cool. And I just found out how cool they are. Like they're basically immortal. The only thing that ends up like killing them is when they, uh, like the queen. Okay. So we'll just start over. So the queen, it's carnage. She murders every other female until she is the only one that is of birthing age. And it, no one can, scientists are studying it. All other females, once a queen is found, will halt puberty. They will be in this prepubescent stage. And if you take one of these females away from the queen, they'll like instantly start puberty. But the queen becomes the only one who can have broods, who can make more people or naked bull rats who will work for her. And her spine just keeps stretching until she dies. 
basically. But and then she like That's kills crazy. anyone who gets like old enough to challenge her. So there's like something about the naked mole rats where they don't age. They're not immortal, obviously, but they don't age. They just remain the absolute same, just getting bigger until they like pass away of like weird causes. And scientists just like can't explain it at all. But they think it's like what could cure aging basically for us if we found out what it was. But That's I just crazy. think it How does that relate so cool. to our conversation? Right. <laughs> so they're like a matriarchal society and they're actually just thriving. They're doing amazing. They're doing great things and they're like so cool. But they also like have a leader is what I was saying. Like even okay. in the animal kingdom, you know, you have someone who is not a leader in the way that they lead people, but in the way that no one else can do anything that they don't approve of, mm-hmm. I guess. It's like a, it's very much a dictatorship. Yeah. Think about monkeys. Monkeys just, they, like, lions. Baboons, they will go so crazy. The males will go absolutely insane killing each other to be like the alpha. And it's all yeah. for like, you know, prime females or like for the naked mole rat, prime males. Like they just want to be the only ones that are ever happily engaged in a relationship or um a harem i guess they just yeah. have like a ton of people to pick from or baboons naked mole rats so lord of the flies <laughs> correct so do you think i mean like why was that the first thing that they did though i mean picture yourself crash landing on an island and what's like the first thing you think to do well i think of uh i think of survivor i've been watching survivor a lot and like the the first thing that that those people do when they get to an island is they like have to you know they build a, a shelter before nightfall so they have a place to sleep you know they try to build a fire and so there's like you know a group of people that just like start uh trying to figure out what they need to do and and i think that what you what you see happen is that there are a select few people who um, kind of just take that leadership role because uh, it can be chaotic if there isn't just one person, you know what I mean? And so, you know, you see alliances forming and then alliances kind of talk about what needs to happen. And then they, the majority of the alliance kind of pulls the other people in to do what they need to see happen. Um, but like, e- even that is leadership. And I think that if you are, if there's a system without leadership, it, there can uh, there can be chaos. You know, like, there needs to be organization. I feel like if my first thought crash landing on an island would be, like, okay, so let's, like, list out our priorities as a group. Like, obviously, we need to get off this island because there are limited resources. There's obviously already an ecosystem that we're not a part of. You know, we're not obviously going to thrive in this environment yeah but that's, that's very unlikely that that's we're going to... your mindset there's going to be other people out there that have uh just different personalities who have grown up differently who might be more in the mindset of like our first priority is to not figure out a system to get off this island our our first priority is to figure out how to survive on this island while we're here which is from what i understand you in your synopsis was is kind of what their argument was like some people were arguing of like we need to figure out how to live here other people were arguing of we need to figure out how to get off of here i think ralph's priority was definitely i mean it was like 
one of the main central things they did was, all right, let's go find, let's go figure out the island. Let's go find out what, what it's all about. And then, okay, we found the highest point. We have to keep a fire going no matter what. And then one person created a group of people and like spread this germ of an idea that, you know, we're going to live and die on this island. We need to form a tribe and we need to, you know, recognize that we're going to be here for the rest of our lives and we need to find a way to survive. And that is through absolute carnage. Like he just wanted to constantly be out hunting. And Ralph was like, okay, but we have other things we need to do. Obviously hunting is important, but we've got other things. I mean, it really presented that Ralph was the most level-headed and Jack, uh, the guy who wanted to be in charge and was very crestfallen when he wasn't elected. What was Jack's mindset? Jack's mindset was he wanted to be the boss, no matter what. Like, he was like, look, I've led my choir. I'm so good at choir that I'm, like, the leader of this choir. I He just really wanted to prove himself, it seemed like. While Ralph's priority was not an ego thing, his priority was the group, Jack's priority was himself. And he was willing to do anything and sacrifice anyone. It's a very bloody book, if you remember, in order to mm-hmm. achieve his goal. What was, like, the... What was... What is like the underlying theme of this book? You know what I mean? I I felt, I mean, obviously there's different takes on any book that you're going to read. But for me, it felt like this was a metaphor for society. Because if you think about it, any place that you go is just a deserted island that someone found. Or, you know, where a society was formed. Um, Obviously, some places people were born on, they built a society. And it's kind of like... Okay, so here's society. If we ripped out all of the fancy mumbo jumbo and just saw the building blocks of it, it is a struggle for power, a struggle for resources. And then there's a select few that are like, oh my gosh, this is all wrong. We can do this so much better kind of thing, which is, I think, very prevalent. I mean, even if you think about like America today, in America, every four years, every time there's election, there's, um, People who are like, okay, the other side is completely stupid and we need to take charge because obviously the last four years was terrible and uh, there's we, we can do this in a way that we will thrive. And there's other people who are like, we need to fix the building blocks. We need to make sure that we're doing what's best for everyone. And then there's other people who are like, this is all so messed up. Nothing is getting done. It's just people fighting. We need to, we need to get out. We just need to get out, break it down, start over. Yeah. I mean, I, I, but like, look at when America was first, you know, a thing. And I mean, I'm not a historian. I took history classes, but you know, that was forever ago and I don't remember anything, but I, you know, from what I think that I remember, I mean, what I know is, was George Washington. He didn't even want to be president. And, but they when they were creating the role of the president they uh they formed the presidential seat around the characteristics of george washington right right is that i mean everyone kind of wanted they were like george washington is the best leader in the world but he was just a i feel like he was a ralph he was like i don't want to be leader i get that everyone else wants me to be leader but like, let's just focus on the ideals that we have and what needs to get done and not focus on 
someone telling us what to do. Right. Which I feel like is a very, is a, is a, a high characteristic of a leader, right? Because a, a leader is someone who um, cares about the people, not about themselves. A good leader, I will, I'll say. But down to the, what is leadership? Leadership is influence. And so if you have influence, you have leadership. And so George Washington had a lot of influence based off of just the, the life that he lived and the, the charges that he led. Um, and not only the charges that he led, but if you also look at the failures that he had um, and the way that he would turn around and um, come back from those, um, I think that there's a there was a war that George Washington led. I think this is George Washington. I got to. I gotta check myself to make sure I'm right, but I'm thinking Hamilton. I think the last time I heard the name George Washington was everyone is freaking out about Hamilton, and I watched it, and I have got to say I loved the king. So, um, the first time that George Washington, when he was about 21 or 22, 21? yeah, yeah, holy Moses, he I'm was, thinking about where I was at 21. Yeah, oh. he. Uh, one of the best leaders this country has ever seen. Um, what, you disagree? No, I just think like, you know, these were like older men saying this to him and oh, I just can't I imagine being 21. He and wasn't, like, I don't think he was president at this time. I know, but like they, you know, they were like saying these things about him. And well, I'm just, well, listen, listen to this. When he was 21 or 22, he led a, uh, a charge. He was a commander. A commander at 21? Yes, he was. And he Am I a led, loser? this is a, um, the, uh, what is this? Um, the Battle of the Great Meadows. And so it was like the beginning of the French and Indian War. Um, and uh, it was one of George Washington's first battles. Um, and what happened was, is this whole ordeal went down where uh, there was, a. he was like, I guess, I think he was like surrounded at one point, maybe. I could be wrong, so don't hold this as 100% truth. But what I do know is that he led a charge and he led his people into a massacre where, like, all of his people Yeah, that sounds more died. like me at 21. Yeah. Yeah, we led all our people of his into a people, massacre. All of his people died. He took a fat loss. Um, but if you think of yourself, think of yourself at that, at that position as a young leader. Um, I'd be like, I'm going to go do something else Right. Now. He probably thought he wasn't a good leader. Like, how could he? He just killed all of his men. But let me ask you. He survived. Let me ask you. Do you think that George Washington was a bad leader? I'm going to say that I think he did. uh, I think. hmm. So the thing with like. I think if you say that George Washington is a bad leader, you're ignorant. (laughs) Okay. No, I definitely think he was a good leader. What I'm saying is I definitely feel as though whenever we see someone as they did a good job, we, I don't want to say, we just like accentuate all of the great things mm-hmm. and we're just kind of like, and yeah, he was a human being who did some messed up things, but let's focus on the fact that he was basically God. And I just, I think that you know, when you when you talk about the the, I mean I'm thinking of like you know everyone 
if you like Trump, you really love Trump. Mm -hmm. But like, let's not create a God. Let's be like, okay, you know, some people. I'm talking about leadership. On a standard of leadership, was George Washington a good leader? Yes, I would agree with that. that yes. he, he did a he had those qualities that made him a good leader. But if you look at where he came from, uh, from one of his first battles leading his men to a massacre, like that's that was his foundation, right? And so then he, you know, becomes president and he starts our from country. From the ashes. Yeah. George Washington the Phoenix. And I mean people will probably argue that he wasn't a good guy based off of you know, oh, he had slaves and all this kind of stuff. Like, there's a lot of baggage. That's but... what I'm just saying. Like, let's not, like, create a God status and say, like, oh, but he did really good things. Let's be like, okay, he made a lot of bad things. But if you look at him as a form of a leader, I'm I, I'm not dis, uh, discounting his, his uh, th the negative things that he did. Like, that is, that is part of history that happened. But as a leader, like, he... He did what he needed to do, but he had a mindset where he didn't want to lead. And I feel like most um, Ooh, Iron Man, most great leaders are people who Iron Man who don't want the power. But the reason or or their mindset of not wanting power is what makes them a good leader. Because if you put someone in a position of leadership who wants power, they're just going to abuse it. And they're going to, you know, it's for self-gain. And circling back to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly, Lord of the Jack. Flies. Lord of the Flies. First of all, Lord of the Rings will always be my favorite Lord of anything. I was literally thinking about them today. I literally think about the Lord of the Rings every day of my life. But literally yes, every day? Actually, every day of my life. I gotcha. cannot think. Because today I was like, if I ever had to walkie-talkie, I thought of you, actually. I was like, if me and Luke ever had walkie-talkies, what would our walkie-talkie names be? I have a really boring job. <laughs> But I was like, I would be like, hop it to Ent, hop it to Ent. Ent? Yeah. You know your name in my phone is Treebeard? What is Ent? Treebeard is an is a character who is an Ent. Um, an Ent is basically a giant walking tree <laughs> who speaks. And that's what I think of whenever I think of you. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> but I just like you know because you're like a giant walking tree you're like super freakishly tall and you look kind of like a tree because you let your hair grow and you got a beard and everything and I don't know you just remind me of them and I'm like really short and also kind of uh very habit like if you if you consider my personality you would be like yeah she's definitely a hobbit so I'd be like hobbit anyways I think of Lord of the Rings <laughs> every day of my life got you. random stupid things but Yes, Lord of the Flies. Jack wanted power just to have power, and he didn't care how to do it, and he kind of caught a hold in, hey, all these really young boys are uh, into carnage, so I'm getting some power when I talk about constantly hunting, and hey, we just killed one of our own, and all of the guys seem to get really excited about that, so let's keep this up so they think I'm a good leader, and then they go on this big, like, we're going to kill Ralph spree where they absolutely go animal. So, um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. So, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Flies, that's something to do with Lord of the Flies. Um, what were you just talking about? How Jack just wanted power to have power. And Ralph was kind of like, if you guys want me to be a leader, yeah, for sure. Ralph is a very unrealistic character, if you think about it, considering the fact that he was like a middle school aged boy. And he's like, 
you know what, guys? I have the brain of a fully functioning adult. All of my hormones are think, together. You don't think there's middle schoolers Good. out there like that? Do I think that there is a middle schooler out there today? That I think has most the, middle like, schoolers are like that. Maybe it's just because I deal with youth. But, like, most middle schoolers, most high schoolers, they're like that. Okay. I actually went to middle school. I don't know if you've <laughs> had the same experience. But I remember every single person being absolutely out of their mind insane looking back obviously at the time i was like this why is were they out of their mind insane because they thought they knew better they definitely had the air of um chaos just constantly all of the time yeah so absolutely 24 7 i don't remember ever ever having a moment of peace during my good old years at woodmore middle and woodmore high school so, uh, this battle of power between Ralph and, what was it, Billy? It wasn't even a balance of power. It was more like Ralph being like, I literally don't care who you guys think is in charge. Mm-hmm. I am literally just trying to get off this godforsaken island with you insane people. Like, okay, fine. Jack can be in charge. Don't care. But we still need to get off the island. And we need to, like, kind of be decent. Please stop trying to kill each other. And Jack just being like, well, isn't that cute that you think that you're still in charge, Ralph? And Ralph would just be like, oh, my God. So people put Ralph in charge because of his swag? Ew, bad word. No. Um, It was like his, he was the one that he gets to the beach. He finds the conch shell, which if you remember the SpongeBob episode, it's like based off Lord of the Flies kind of. Finds the conch shell. Blows the conch shell. Kids are start walking out of the woods towards this conch shell, shell sound. And he's like, hey, guys, I'm glad I gathered you here all here today to see who's alive and what we're going to do. And they are like, well, Ralph on the beach and Ralph did this. So let's get like 10 meter. And Jack's like, uh, did I not mention that I ran a choir, basically? And people didn't want Ralph or people didn't want him to be. No, because Jack was a schmuck from like. The first second he walked so up. So not even his choir wanted to follow him. His choir was so annoyed with him. So then how did he end up getting leadership? Because every single day he'd go out in the woods and try to kill pigs. And a little boy saw like a giant beast, you know. Obviously these kids are asleep. Oh, deprived. so they wanted protection. Yeah. And so they see this like big insane guy who's like, let's just kill and constantly go out there with knives and kill. And our prime directive needs to be just proving that we are the uh, top dogs around here. Dang. And that's kind of like the whole idea of Jack. Jack is just chaos and Ralph is just like, please, please, we're British. <laughs> And then the Admiral's like, you're British. What was this? And Ralph is just like crying. Like, I know, right? We're British. Which, I mean, honestly, if you think of like anything to do with England, you just think of very put together. And I've read what people in England think about us. And yeah, I don't know. Actually, I'm changing my theory of Lord of the Flies. I think it's like Jack is supposed to represent uh, America and Ralph was supposed to be England. And it was just kind of like, see, see what would have happened in America if you had remained under England. You guys would have been of the author? all together. He's British. Got you. See, America should have stuck with England. Could have had it together. Could have gotten off this island. But look at you now. I feel like that kind of makes sense. Yeah, actually, now 
as soon as I said it, I was like, that is, I don't know. William Golding made it very clear that he was just like, it's just a stupid book. But I mean, obviously any book can be just a stupid book and you can see a lot of things in it. I mean, if you read Frankenstein, it's just a story of a man who creates a monster because he wants to prove that he can make a monster. But then when you read into Mary Shelley, she actually meant like, she's the opposite. She meant like a, she meant like a ton by it. She, her mother was, uh, died in childbirth with her and her father constantly saw her as the reason that her father died. So it was like, yeah, Mm. this is my experience of the person who created you absolutely hating you and seeing you as a monster and it sucks and I'm not having a good time. She wrote it when she was a teenager. Wow. So angst out the freaking door, but it's like the first sci-fi ever. She created the sci-fi genre with this book and I mean, you know, you can take a lot of books in a lot of different ways. You can see anything use a lot of different things. Slaughterhouse Five. What have you ever read anything by Kurt Vonnegut? Um, no. Well, they're banned because he has a lot of. He's very. Uh, this is a lot of. Uh, you know, uh, like school age inappropriate things. There's a lot of sexual. Got you. Little droplets here and there. Yeah. But most of his books, in my opinion, would be that they're very anti-war. Like, it's very clear. He fought. He fought. Mm. And it's very clear that he was like, this is the stupidest thing ever. This War. is the children's crusade. What does it go for? Absolutely none. But it's old rich men sending young poor boys yeah. out into the world to die for yeah. nothing that will ever benefit these everyday people. Yeah. And that's I, uh... from what I understand of the two books I've read by him, that would be what I, I would get. Yeah, I always thought that would be, I always thought that if I ever became president, I would have to serve, you know, because I don't, I wouldn't feel right as someone like sending off troops. And that's why we love that Prince Harry. Prince Harry is the best. Okay, but that whole. I know. I don't it's all, a, it's all a scheme. I know, but I love it. I, I feel like, you know, out of all the schemes that I'm like, out of all the things that aren't even schemes that I'm like, that's a scheme. The royal family <laughs> obsessed. I remember working but at a the bank reason, and just scrolling the through reason news that about that Kate is Milton. though is because the royal family seems like such innocence and you know, like Tell me one thing about the royal family that is slightly innocent. Well, I just I I honestly I don't hear much about the royal family besides Poor them. Kate Middleton. Imagine marrying this beautiful, gorgeous man who's gonna eventually be king and then you're a princess and then he goes bald and cheats on you with your best friend. Okay, but the I didn't know that was a thing. But Yeah. But I feel like the Prince, reason Princess Diana? Are you kidding me? What about the royal family is innocent? I don't keep up with the royal family. Oh, there's scandals What and I'm saying is that the, the royal family of England. <laughs> The royal family isn't the people that, like, you know, s- start wars and, you know, do these charges and, Parliament. you know, like, make people pissed at them. They're the people that, like, are the front face of, like, hey, this is our country and we're great. Do you remember the Princess Diaries, the sequel? Yes. That was the picture of a perfect government. Princess Mia, her president of the United States. Please. But even Princess Mia wasn't liked by everybody. People didn't like Princess Mia because she was trying to fight against the norm. How dare you? What do you mean, how dare I? That's Even the movie. Even mention anyone who would hate Princess Mia. That's part of the movie. You know what? I hate it. Everyone should love her. She's great. But, like, that's, like, what... 
I mean, there's there's always going to be two sides of every story, and it's based off of your perspective, which is unfortunate. I feel like a good leader is someone who is able to hear both sides and make a decision from that. But the reason why we're so corrupt is because the leadership looks out for the leadership and wants to gain as much leadership as they can. And that's why there should be term limits on absolutely every position you can have in the government, including the Supreme Court. Wow. I'm sure you're the first person to say that. It's a very novel idea I've had. I had it in a dream. I was like, oh, wow. Great that was idea. sarcasm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was responding with sarcasm. Oh. I'm just really silly. We're a great actress. Okay. <sighs> Anyways, if you're looking to scout me, please email me. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I think any form of leadership is obviously going to have its uh, haters. But if you think about it, all of these haters, would they want to ever be in leadership? And are the reason that they're haters, like, the, because they would want to be in leadership and they see this as, like, a threat? Is it Does it all come down to, like, biology where we see ourselves as one big group and obviously anyone who is the leader of the group has the most influence, the most resources, and are most likely to survive and produce offspring to carry on their line, which is... You know, in the basic biology, that's all plants do. Plants, like tumbleweeds, they die just to reproduce. I don't know. Have you ever watched Survivor? I have watched Survivor. Survivor is pretty juicy, and it's like... Do it, you see that as, like, the building blocks of biology? Like, you see this as people in their natural habitat? Is that why you, you bring um, it up like this? I mean, no, because I don't think that's the way that societies that are actually in tribes and things like that run. Um, but I mean, if you're, I'm, I'm talking about if we were to start completely over and just, I mean, it is, I mean, just throwing people on like an Island and being like, okay, create a society. Is that like what survivors? Well, no, because they're not trying to like, they are required every, every couple of days to vote someone else off. So their government is actually producers. Um, no, because their producers don't decide who's voted off or anything like that. Like what I'm saying is that tribes, yeah, like, but they have rules they have to follow. And who are those rules set by? Why do they have to vote someone off? Why can't they be like, well, everyone can stay. You're, you're thinking too deep. I that's, am. that's too deep into what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there are like the tribes that are like, you know, in the Amazon, I don't know, wherever there's tribes, like they are not required to vote. <laughs> They're not required <laughs> to vote someone off or to kill someone every couple days. Like that's not the way that their society is ran, but in survivor, you're required to vote someone off every couple of days. And it's, you know, the ultimate experiment is, is what they say. Um, and so, you know, it, I, I think about like, if I were to go on survivor, have you how, thought about this a lot? Oh yeah. I, I, I like actually want to, I want to apply an audition. Oh, I wish um, you would. I just have to sit down and do it. Um, but what you, what, in my opinion, or what I would think I would want to do is I would get there and I would, um, kind of actually stay low key. Like I wouldn't want to take charge. I wouldn't want to be like the guy that everyone looks up to, because when you do that, typically from what I see is you paint a target on your back because you start to gain influence. And when you gain influence, people start to listen to you. They like you. I feel like that's like innate in your nature though. What do you mean? I feel like whenever there is a group setting, I mean, I don't think it's something that you can be like, okay, I'm going to strategize. I think in those situations, who you really are is what comes through. 
Right. And I feel like if you have like a personality uh, that is very focused on a strategy, you automatically become a person of influence. So just because you said, I have a strategy, my strategy is to be really low key automatically. Like for me, I would go in and be like, let's just see what happens. And I feel like I would be the low key person. Like I would be the person that no one notices and like eventually just like win because they're like, Oh my God, I forgot you were here. Well, I guess let, let me, I guess let me, let me re-say that. I honestly think that you going on to Survivor for the first time, you don't know what strategy you're going to use. And so I say that because there are people who, you know, get asked on again, you know, like I think of Ozzy. He is one of my favorite characters or, or you know. What is people. it about Ozzy that brings? He's your... just, he's a dope dude, bro. Like if what you watch him, so he's like, he's a, so he's a photographer. That's his occupation. He's shame. got like, uh, in, in the first, the first episode that I watched, I don't think it was his first time being on Survivor. He had like long shaggy hair and, you know, he was fit. He was dope. And he's just like, you know, like he was just a really cool dude. Who, like hippie kind of style? Yeah. He was kind of like a hippie type vibe, but at the same time he was like a hardcore athlete. Like he was the one that like in the challenges he would perform. He got into it. Like he was he was the guy that you wanted on your tribe because if you knew Ozzy was there, you were most likely gonna win. Um and and I Ozzy never won. What a cool name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ozzy never won because once you get into so like the way that Survivor works is once you get to the top ten, you start to build um when you get voted off, you go to the council. And so the the you know the first 10 people voted off with three, there's three left. So there's end up being 13 um, at the end. Um, the 10 vote for who they want to win. So it's, it's super juicy because if you're one of the top three and the way that you got to the top three was by like backstabbing people and like, you know, pissing people off, they're not going to vote for you in the end. So did Ozzy piss people off? Why did Ozzy never win? Ozzy never won because he kept winning. And so, you know, you, you have immunity challenges. Whoever wins the immunity challenge gets the immunity necklace and they can't be voted off. And so people voted Ozzy off because he kept winning and winning and winning. Oh, poor Ozzy. I know. And so, um, so he would get voted off because he was a threat and because people liked him. So I, I would say that my first going time going on to survivor, I would not have a strategy that I would, that I would, you know, go into, you know what I'm saying? As far as like, whatever, but I know for me, I would want to stay low key and you could call that probably a strategy. But what I mean by low key is that I would not be the one that's taking the, making the charge type stuff. I would be more of like the point person of like, we need to build this shelter. Let's build this shelter. I'd start doing it. You know, I would still like give my input and give ideas, but I wouldn't like be the one that's like, this is what we got to do because they paint a, a bullet on their back, a target on their back. You know what I mean? But um, there are people who um, who go in. And so like this, this one season that I was watching, um, like this one guy, he was so dope. Uh, I forget what they, they gave him a, nick, a nickname. Um, he was like a hardcore hippie dude. And, um, they, uh, his, he, from the very start, he said, my strategy is to try and be friends with everybody and make it to the top. And so he legit, like he didn't pull any strategic moves. Uh, he wasn't in charge of, you know, trying to, you know, do a blind side or anything like that. He just wanted to be friends with everybody. He was left in the dark in a couple situations, but he made it to the top three. 
and he ended up winning because just everyone liked him. And uh, the last three immunity challenges, he won. If he didn't win, he was going to get voted off. And so he just like he was able to be strong when he needed to be strong, and people liked him. And so like that would be my strategy going into it like try to get people to like me try to be the guy that you know uh, people want to be around and go to um, try to bring some life in the camp but at the same time like I'm not gonna try and and piss people off I would probably try to lead lead you know some blind sides just because you know that's some juicy stuff and it's dope and honestly if I were to play survivor sauce uh, it's the sauce. If I were to play Survivor, and this is totally off topic, I forget how I even started on this topic. Yeah, but you're obviously very into Survivor, aren't you? <laughs> if I were to play Survivor, I would want to play in a way where I would be invited back, just because, you know, you're. You just want to be there. I just want to be there, <laughs> you know. And you're just like you go to all these different places, and I just want to like you know that would be so like those are opportunities. You know that you what never I would get. do if I were on Survivor? What's that? Pavlov condition absolutely everyone. I don't know what that means. Like, every time that they didn't vote for me, I would just, like, keep, like, some kind of resource or anything, and I would go, and then give everyone who didn't vote for me to be voted off something. And then when it came down to the final three, my two people that were left with me would be so conditioned that I would just, or, like, everyone who was voting. And they'd be like, oh, we get rewarded. You know, their, like, internal brain would be like, we get rewarded when we don't vote for Kena, right? Let's, let's all do that. So I just... Like be like, okay, let's let's get down to this vote, you guys. But you don't want you don't you want votes at the very end. You want votes. You want to get voted off? No, when you're in the like the tribal, when you're at the very end, you want the tribal council to vote for you because that's how you win. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, we vote in favor of Kana. Oh, I see what you're saying. And then like, you I don't, gotta do that little I, noise. See, I don't know if that works. You're there for 39 days and you don't have anything. I don't know how you're gonna like reward people with stuff. People are starved for physical touch in this world. I don't know if you know this, but like we are very much have become like this society that's very aloof. So maybe like every single time that we were voting, I'd be like, and then like touch their knee or like pat them on the back or like ruffle their hair. And they'd be like, ah, oh, physical contact. (laughs) I don't know. I'd figure something out. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I should start conditioning people to tip me more. Like when they tip me, like, a lot of money, I'd, and then like give him like a piece of chocolate. I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember how I uh, got started talking on that. Something about leadership and Survivor and Ralph and Jack. I don't know. I you know if there I had is another a, kid. I would name him Ralph. There was a there's a a guy on Survivor actually who who wanted to be a leader, and he just like never got the up. Like he was just he wasn't the leader, and so he was getting like really pissed off. And so like I love that. People who want to be the leader for leader's sake. Yeah. Jack. And he, uh, he was just Back like, to Lord of the Flies, it's Jack. He was like saying like, I just, I just, just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. And he would like try to like, you know, when they were back at, on the island at their camp, they would like try to like, oh, we got to do this. But then it was like, no, we're going to do this. And during the. Reminds the, me of like American Idol auditions where they're like, wait, 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 I can sing another yeah, song. Right, I can do right. it. That's exactly how it was. Or like during the challenges, like he would be like. Well, we should have done this. We should have done, you guys should have listened to me. I just I just want a chance for you guys to just like trust me. Just give me a chance. Just give ah, me a chance. Ah, that pains me. But oh, then like really, at the same time, really like people note. didn't necessarily like like him. He didn't have that. He didn't have that. Because he was also kind of a jerk. Because he was like, I should be the leader. Like you guys should trust me. And then yeah, he just kind of got voted out. 
Because... I think it's more of like a subtle thing that makes someone a leader. Like it's a very subtle humility. It's a humility, but it's also a confidence. That's true. Like, and not like, hey, you guys need to do something for me for us to succeed kind of thing. Like, uh-huh. you need to trust me for us to succeed. It's more of like a, this is what I am going to do because I know this will lead to group success. Anyone who wants to help me is welcome to help me. Anyone who isn't welcome to help, or anyone who doesn't want to help me, you know, I mean, do whatever you need to do, right. but this is what I'm going to do. And it's yeah. very much like, okay, so that person sees what needs to be done and is going to go and get it done themselves. Yeah. I want to go beyond That's good. that side. I think that arguably the best leader in the world. Nope. Um, yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Okay. Leadership is influence. What man has had the greatest influence Okay, and I agree with you. Jesus is a very influential okay. man. Okay, okay, so like so all right, right but there. That is your society. Think about no. Muhammad. I'm talking. I'm talking about society. Think about I'm Buddha. talking about in society in general. Okay, are, that's not applicable. Then you're wrong and correct. Bye. See you later. With that point. Well, I, I guess I would argue that Jesus is one of the most influential people. Even uh, secular scholars would say that secular scholars have said that, that he is the most, one of the most influential men in the world. I don't think that Jesus is a bad guy. Okay. I'm not saying that you do. What I'm saying is that my argument is that Jesus is one of the most influential people in the world whose legacy still lives on today. I agree. Jesus is great. But I think (laughs) that his leadership has been tainted, which is one of the most horrible things that can happen when a leader you're talking is about, no longer present. You're talking about in today's society. I feel like that is what we have been talking okay, about. Okay, that's not what I'm, Okay, <clears throat> but I'm talking about who Jesus was. Jesus said when he was on this earth, he said the Son of Man did not come to serve or to be served, but to serve. Yeah, and I agree Which is that what you're, a really and, great leadership and that's, point. That's all I'm saying. I don't know why you got so defensive with me just bringing up the name of Jesus. I'm not defensive. You you got a little defensive there. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> what, I, what I was going to say is that Jesus has had the greatest influence. The other day, the other and, day at work, someone looked at me and was like, you will look a lot of religious trauma, Kana. And I was like, word up. <laughs> someone said that? Yeah. Do they know you? Yeah, well, I mean, I just, like, casually drop little facts about my life every now and then, just like anyone would, just constant, just, like, little <laughs> bits and pieces about who I am as a person. It's a slow process every couple months to get to know me, gotcha. but, like, every single time someone gets to know me, they're like, wow, what the heck happened to you? And I'm just like, it's a long experience. I'm doing well now. So, anyway, what I was saying is that Jesus has had one of the greatest influences in the world, and his his mission was to serve, which is what, what I was going to say is that like, when you're talking about like the subtlety of like, this is what I'm going to do. And you, I mean, this is just, this is my plan. Like, that's what he did. Like son of man didn't come to be served, but came to serve. And therefore, you know, there was a, you know, people wanted to, to be around him. Right. And not just people who were agreeing with, you know, that, that live life like him, Jesus attracted people that weren't like him right? Correct. And so, and, and with people being around him that weren't like him, they ended up wanting to be like him, right? So it's just like one of those things of like, if you want to be a good leader, serve, 
if you want people to respect you, serve them. You know what I mean? And I think that's just like one of the greatest qualities of a leader. And that's like the kind of leader that I want to be. I want to be a leader that when, um, when people are around me, you know, they see that I love them by the way that I treat them and they want to be able to be a part of my mission because of, you know, mm. what? So is it your mission or are you kind of making this a, I want to be a leader thing because shouldn't it be Jesus's mission? It is Jesus's mission. But you said your mission. But so I have Freudian been. Slipper. No, I've been given a position of leadership in mm. part of his mission. So, so, uh, did you not seize the means of production? What do you mean? Did you not like, I mean, were you plucked out of the crowd or did you kind of seek out a position of leadership? I did not seek out a position of leadership. I started by serving in a youth group. What does serving in a youth group look like to you? Like I went and helped out the person that was leading it. And then you were chosen? And then when he was moving up to be pastor, he asked me to take charge. Aw, so you were a piggy and you became a Ralph. <laughs> I guess so. Cute. Okay, my mistake. And so, I mean, that, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You said something and I was going to, I had something to say in response. What did you say? Actually, at that, we're going to take a brief pause and okay. we're just going to, we're going to be right back. And in that, we're back. Hi, welcome back. In that. I would like to like add in that I think whenever there is a position of leadership, Lord of the Flies can be used as like a template, like the hero's journey can be used to describe any book um, in that any position of leadership, any form of government, any form of society can be used to be like, okay, so who's the Jack here? Who is the Ralph? Who's the Simon? Who's the Piggy? Mm -hmm. um, like in most situations that I'm in, I'm the Simon. Who is Simon? Simon is the young boy who first sees the beast. And he's oh. the one that wanders off into the woods and hallucinates the pig talking to him. And just like kind of is like, I'm kind of just freaking out about everything right now. I need to go hide in the bushes and hallucinate. I need to hydrate the guys. Um, and I feel like that's me in like any form. Like, oh, I'm kind of overwhelmed. I'm going to go hide and hallucinate and die. <laughs> like, that's me. But who's the person seeking power? for the means of having power and who's the person who's kind of like I don't care as long as we're doing the right thing and who's the person that's kind of like I seriously care whether or not we're doing the right thing yeah well so no that's good um I think that in my um very little experience of being a leader um I have been you know, in the, uh, I have built up teams and things like that. And I think that is something that is very real as far as like seeing, you know, it's, it's very clear to see, uh, maybe it's not clear to most people. Um, but I feel like, you know, some people who have, have the eyes to see, they can see the people that, you know, want leadership, you know? And so, you know, those are the people that, that don't want to take the trash out. They just kind of want to be there and be seen, right? But I'll tell you, there is a guy that um, that goes to my church. Uh, he has uh, been a part of the ministries that I've been a part of. And he is like, 
he is so sweet. And I, I say it all the time and I'll say it again, that he is the guy that every church wants. And the reason why that is, is because he is the kind of guy that when he sees a need, he fills the need. Right. And so like, he's the guy that after we throw like, you know, an event or something like that, if we like throw a, a, a party or a, a dinner or something, um, he's the guy that when no one else is looking, he's taking the trash out. And the reason why I use like the trash illustration is because no one wants to take the trash out. Right. It's like the, it's dirty. I personally love it. It's that opportunity to go out and be alone for like 20 seconds. Well, this is I different. This it. is like the end of the night when everyone just wants to go home. Right. He is the guy that goes and picks up the trash and he walks it out to the dumpster and the dumpster is like, you know, it's not a, a small walk and he just, you know, everyone just wants to go home. They're tired. He's the guy that does that. And like, that is the guy that I will always want to call up because he deserves to be called up because he's not doing it for attention. He's not doing it to, to, you know, be seen. He's doing it because he sees that there is a need to be filled and he wants to fill it. Right. And I will say that that is like the quality of a good leader. Ralph. Ralph. I don't know. Did Ralph do that? Did Ralph? It sounds like Ralph wanted to just kind of like run away. No, I think Ralph was just like, Ralph was the guy that was like, um, you know what? I think that would be a piggy. Piggy was the one that was like, fellows, please. We need to find a way to get along. And like everyone made fun of him for it. He was really mean to him about it. Like he was like, we can't keep fighting and killing each other. This is horrible. Yeah. And they were like, well, now we're going to kill you, Piggy. And Piggy died a horrible death. Well, I think that, an accident, I think that this, so that the book also just shows immaturity of leadership i mean they were in middle school immaturity of society but like i think that there are are different characteristics of every character that are in that book and so i feel like all of us can see some of ourselves in one of the characters and like we can relate to one of the characters i always see myself as simon so so but i think that when you look at yourself as simon you're probably looking at yourself as uh, you're relating to the immaturities that are there as as well as the strengths, but Not I think a lot the book. Of strength in Simon. <laughs> but I think the book capitalizes majority on the weaknesses because pretty much the book is just the manifestation of all of these weaknesses coming together and chaos coming from it, right? Yeah. But um, I think that that all of us, I mean, we have the decision to either become, you know, better or worse in every situation. Every, every experience that we have, every hurt that we experience, every conflict that we experience, we can either look at it in two ways. We can either look at it of this is a situation where I can become better or this is a situation that's just going to pile up on all of these other things and it's going to make me more bitter and just worse of a person, right? Yeah. And, so, and so a person who is a good leader sees the benefits of every situation. So so I'll, I'll, I'll use my own life experiences from this of just like, you know, being a part of ministry can be really hard because you're just, you're, you're dealing with people that can be hard. You know what I mean? And you have your own life that is hard. And, and so there's just like, you know, you're carrying your own hardships, but at the same time, there are other hardships added to that because of the people that you're around. And so with that, there, there has been times where it's just like, it gets really hard because people are, are counting on me and their expectations that are, are higher than what I can give to them. And that leads to conflict. And so 
in these conflicts that people bring up to me um, as a result of my failing them, um, you know, my, my instinct or what I tend to lean towards is like, all right, screw you. If you don't like me, just leave. You know what I mean? Like that's, that is my, what I like buy. You know what I mean? Like that's, if you don't like me, just leave. Or if you don't like me, get out. If you don't like me, just leave. If, if you're having issues and you don't feel like you can talk to me about these issues and you're just going to like talk behind my back, just leave. Like you're just being a problem that I don't want to deal with. So go, but so I can't, I can't just like, I can't just do that because of the position that I am, uh, that I'm in. John Maxwell says that uh, when you gain leadership, you lose rights. So when you gain power, you lose rights. So what that means is like when you uh, come into a position of influence, you lose your right to do things. Uh, and I feel like I just said that like seven times. But um, if you think about it, it's like if, if me when I gained leadership, I lost the right to just write people off because of the position I'm in. Do you feel like you need to take, you know, how they say that uh, Jesus left the 99 to go find the one sheep. You have to be the Jesus in that case. And you have to go find that one sheep. That's just uh, messing up the flock. Or, I mean, do you feel like it's like, okay, get out of the flock then you're not part of the flock. See you later. No, no, that, well, to be clear that that one sheep did not mess up the flock. The one sheep just kind of left. And so in and that's this, what you think that other people should do if they don't respect you as the shepherd. Um, that is what my first instinct is just like, okay, bye. But me being in the position that I am, I can't just say bye. I go to that sheep and I say like, Hey, listen, like, let's have a conversation. Let's see if we can resolve this. Right. Do you think and as so a I shepherd, do, Jesus is seeing this as something that you should be doing as a sheep? No. So you shouldn't go get them. The sheep shouldn't leave, but as your role of the shepherd, you should go get them. But you're not the shepherd. I am the shepherd. In this situation. Oh, so you're God. No, but there. So isn't the whole metaphor that Jesus is the shepherd? Okay, but in the Bible it says that there are pastors, preach or preachers, or shepherds. Preachers are pastors and shepherds are the same thing. There are shepherds, teachers, so evangelists. So Jesus left the flock with other shepherds. No, Jesus is the shepherd. So he's the shepherd. We are the sheep, but a pastor. So you're a sheep. To Jesus, yes. But I'm also a pastor, and so I shepherd. And so the people that This are... is why I don't understand anything to do with Christianity once people start explaining it. <laughs> as soon so as they start explaining Jesus it, I'm like, is, right, you lost is the shepherd, right? He is the pastor. He is the one that that is the ultimate leader. But he also uh, gives he us... He hired other shepherds. Yeah, the disciples. So you're not a sheep. I am a sheep, but I'm also a shepherd. Mm, okay, so there's like JD a boss is, sheep. My pastor is my shepherd. So I submit myself under my pastor. But I am also so a pastor. So it's between JD and Jesus. You pick Jesus. Yes. So JD's not your shepherd, because you should always go with your shepherd. JD, yeah, JD will even say, like, everything that I say, test. Test the Bible from what I say. Like, test everything. The Bible even says, test everything that anyone says to you. But the Bible also says that God ordains the leadership. And so God has put JD in the position that he's in. And I also have seen JD's walk. And I, and I trust that JD 
submits his, himself under God. So God chooses everyone who's a pastor. Yep. You're going to stand by that? You're going to die on that hill? Um, I think that, that... Let's test it. Okay. So Hold on, recently... hold on, hold on. Let me, let me explain my thought on that. God puts people in positions. However, that person is not just like, all right, God ordained me. So everything that I do is from God. That person still has a choice to either follow what God is, has for them or go their own way. So why can't God be like, you're demoted, you're a sheep again? Uh, like, God, you're God like you. will. You're a baby sheep. God will remove anointing, but keep you in the position you're in. Mm-hmm. So then you'll be leading all these sheep astray. Yep. That's a scary place to be. Flawed system. Flawed system by a divine leader. <laughs> what do you mean? So recently it came out, this pastor stood in front of his church. I'm sure you've seen the video where he says, I was wrong and I need to admit that I was wrong. I cheated on my wife and it was a really horrible thing. And then the woman that he cheated with was in the audience. And she comes up and she goes, that is not the whole story. I was a teenager. He was 30 years older than me. He groomed me. He assaulted me. And, like, now he's telling you that, like, it was temptation. Like, no, I was deeply hurt. And this man just, like, all the congregation started booing her and saying, like, our pastor is great. He made a mistake and he's, like, correcting it. And she's like, no, he's admitting to half of what he did. One half of what he did was yes he cheated on his wife and the other half of what he did was completely ruined me as a person. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say that I agree with this pastor or that he's a good pastor. Like I, I, I do think that what he did was wrong. I don't agree with it whatsoever. I would not. But the sheep have obviously been led astray because they like, yeah. Oh, well our pastor is, the shepherd and he's great and i'm sorry that happened to you but i'm actually not sorry that well the bible also the does stage. set up set up guidelines for pastors to be it, it, there's like a whole list like be to be above reproach which means like to be set, demoted set he's a sheep yeah, again no for sure like that, i mean that's what he should do if he is uh recently in our hometown we had a pastor come out a youth pastor and say, I have been embezzling money from this church for years. Mm -hmm. And like, everyone saw him as this like great leader, this fantastic person. He was wonderful. I'm going to say this because this is my space to say what I want from the minute I met him because I met him way before this all happened mm -hmm. years before I was like, this guy sucks. Sermon of spirits. I knew it from like day one. I was like, there's something about this guy. I don't understand why everyone's in love with him. Mm -hmm. I don't. And I thought there was something wrong with me, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I read his character immediately. Embezzling money from the church from like day one. And he stepped down from his position. Yeah. Which, like, I, I just mean, I feel respect like why would that some, if he's all knowing, why is he putting people in positions and then being like, and this guy's going to suck and lead all of these people away from everything that is good. He doesn't do that. <laughs> he doesn't. But if he's all knowing, why would he put those people in positions of if he's if you know he's the one selecting shepherds? Why is he being like? And this shepherd is going to take all of these sheep and lead them right because into boiling he, lava. Because he he doesn't like put them in a position and like this person is going to fail and all you guys are going to go astray. That's not like what he does. 
like he he ordains the authority but he doesn't dictate what the authority does like the authority doesn't have to do what he is calling them to do because we have free will but he anyway isn't all knowing then if he's like i'm gonna put the position he's all knowing of power and then uh i have so, no so, idea what they're gonna okay, do with but, it but so so now you're getting into like everything is predestined and god controls everything no all i'm saying is if he's all knowing and there's two people you can put in a position of power and one's gonna embezzle a ton of money and one is not gonna do that why not pick the one who's not gonna like, what's the plan there? If someone's going to groom teenagers and lead them into positions where they tell the parents of this teenager, like, we need one-on-one talks God with your daughter because she's doesn't a want problem. To and do then that. goes on one-on-one position with her and Well, I, I personally, her. if if I were in this position, I wouldn't do one-on-ones. I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly. let my daughter do one Exactly, but then why was he ordained? Guy. I don't... I don't know. I can't. I don't have the answer to that. Like people's lives were ruined, and if there was someone else that was going to be ordained, like chosen to be a shepherd, that would maybe not do that. Why was that person picked? Where's the grand plan? There? I think that I think that there there has been a failure of um, a whole lot of things. Um, I think that if a pastor is doing that, more a failure of a lot of things on whose part? The church. Okay, but I if think, everyone who is chosen to lead the church is chosen by God, then wouldn't that be a failure of God? No. Are you saying that because that is like the answer you're supposed to give or because you've thought through this answer? No, because God isn't like a, a church isn't just ran by a pastor. It's not like one man runs the church. There is a whole board that is there for checks and balances. And if a pastor is, it's not working, if a pastor is living a life like that, there are, are it's more than likely that more people know. Right. You can see that kind of stuff when when that stuff is manifesting. And so that is a failure of all the other people that are involved, too. It's not just one man. It's just like, were they not ordained by God? Were they not chosen by God? No, they Lord? are. Wow. But people people fail people. That's just the life that we live in. As an agnostic, as an agnostic, I tend to see people who are religious as like salesmen of their faith to me. And that may not be what they mm-hmm. see themselves as. But I like to ask a lot of questions about other people's religions because I'm kind of shopping around, you know? I'm yeah. kind of trying to see what, like, I believe. Is yeah. there nothing but out you there can't, or something? You can't compare every and church. Christianity you can't has compare... the worst sales pitch I have ever heard in my life. It is all fear-based. It is 100% fear-based and 100% like... I'm sorry you feel that way. We're just a... Like, it gives like... We're just a Kickstarter. We got some bugs to work out, but don't ask questions at all because the only answer we will questions. ever give you is that this is this is the end all be all and the you only thing you can ask questions. Do. And I don't think that the sales pitch should be by fear. I honestly see it as hope. Oh, I see this so fear based. I'm oh, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry that you have that perspective. I don't. I think that that the gospel is very hopeful. I think that everything in the Bible is is it has hope. Because it, it shows that there is... It's a great sales pitch, but you've had a, already like quite a few flaws just now in like the last 10 minutes. In your, like I've just poked a couple holes and okay, like everything's well, not leaking. I'm not trying to, to sell you on anything. So that's that's where you're wrong. I'm not trying to sell you anything. But what I was saying is that I trust that JD submits himself under God. And so I submit myself under JD. As someone who has met the pastor of your church, I also think he is a very fantastic person. And if there were more people like him out there, I think the world would be 
a much better place. And so what I want to challenge is, you is to not judge every church based off of the, the bad churches out there. Yeah. I'm just saying, did God make a couple bad choices or is it something like based off of who God is and the, the characteristic of him, he cannot be wrong. So he wanted that girl to get groomed in the soul. He did not. Well, the only thing that made him capable of doing it was his position given to him, as you say, by God. That's not true. There were many decisions that that man made in his life to lead him to that decision to groom that girl. But he wouldn't have been able to get it done if he hadn't been like chosen as pastor. Like that was the whole thing. You was, don't like, think he so? Was the pastor I disagree. Of the church, I, if, and if like that's, his parent, her if parents, that's like, the kind of man him. that he is, he's going to do that in any situation he's in. Do you disagree? So you think if he had been like a banker, he would have like been like, yeah, we can get you this loan, but you got to do something. I can't tell you what he would do in every situation, but I guarantee you that if that is what is in that man's heart, he is going to get it in any circumstance he's in. So people can't change. People can change. Just by being in the church. The church doesn't change. What? Where are you getting? What? So he would have done this in any situation. He was in the church. He found God and he still did it. Like finding God doesn't change who you are. If you submit if yourself, you're a truly evil person. If you submit yourself to God, but people can call themselves Christians and they can, you know, go to church and worship. They can, like once you they are, can believe in Jesus and still sin. Once you see like women as objects, something to use, and like you create a priority for getting some, just that's what you're gonna be. That's who you are in any position. If, you're, if you if you don't fight that, I I. I let's talk about the screw tape letters. Okay, let's talk about the screw tape letters. I love that book. Have so, you read that book? I haven't, but you you told me about it a little earlier. And so the screw tape letters are is from a perspective of a demon, right? Who his his mission is to just tempt these people. They're not supposed to to mess with, they're not supposed to do anything to God, they're not supposed to do anything to the person, but they're just supposed to lead them off track, right? Yeah, the only point is to make sure that they see holes in the Christian argument. Right. And so that that happens, right? Where people are led astray. That doesn't mean that they were never a Christian or, you know, that they don't believe in Jesus, but it means that they have been led astray. And so we as Christians, what I am supposed to do is David, David was a great leader, right? But what did David do? David sent a man out to war and put him in the front line so that he would die. And then he slept with his wife. Ooh, so questionable, but, David. But, David's ethics and morals. But the Bible also says that David was a man after God's own heart. And do you know why? Ooh, is that God's heart? No, no. He Ooh. was a man after God's own heart. Not a man that had God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. And it says that it's a he was... pretty major do you know slip what? up. But, but the Bible also talks about being pure in heart. And what pure in heart means, not that your heart is perfect, but pure Imagine in heart that way. Pure in heart means that you open up your whole life, like God knows everything about you. And that's what David did. If you read the story of David, that is what he repented. If you don't go through life. Like, you, I'm not saying that I don't think that people, like, if you do something that is, you know, along the lines of David sending someone front lines or along this man of like grooming someone. I Like, I'm not saying that, okay, you will never be a good person ever in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, I definitely think that, you know, there can be like room for growth and learning, but 
But I think the important thing to do is be like, and this is what I did and it sucked. And I hate myself that I did this. I like, I'm so ashamed of myself. Mm -hmm. I want to grow and be a better person. Which is what that guy did in this local town when he was embezzling money. That is what he did. I don't know if that's what this pastor did, but that's what he should have done. That's the point of like the whole pastor thing that he did is like, no, the only thing wrong he did was cheat on my wife. I disagree with that. See, so we are on the same page when it comes to this pastor. Yeah, this pastor of the local town, I I admit, that's the best thing he could have done. I think he did it right. I don't know where he is now. I don't know if he's growing, learning, whatever he's doing. I think that he did the right thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying bad vibes from the beginning. I sensed it. And so <laughs> and so this Probably pastor that is at pastor. this huge church, wherever, he, I would say that he needs to step down. And if he didn't step down and I was at his church, I would leave the church because he needs to step down. Because he's not living up to the standard of a pastor. Can we agree on that? Word. No, definitely. Okay. I agree. So totally, we are 100%. on the same page Like, there. I think there has to be, like, once you do something wrong, there has to be a huge humbling. Because obviously, to do something wrong, you thought you were... To justify that, you would have had to think that somehow what you were doing was above the level of con- condemnation. Mm-hmm. Like, you obviously thought, like, this is why I'm doing this. It's wrong to do this. But... Me doing it, it's a little different because of the situation in this context. There has to be, like, a huge humbling, like, whoa. You know, and I've done that. I think we can all say, like, at one point in our lives, we were, like, especially looking back at, like, our young 20s. Our young 20s I also want to say with that. You're like, wow, that was super wrong. I can't believe I did that. I hate myself for that. I'm shame, I'm so full of shame and regret. Mm-hmm. But now is the time I to I also want to say with that that every pastor is not going to be perfect. Right? No, I agree with that, too. And so, but that doesn't mean every pastor has to step down, but it's what that pastor does with their failings, right? So this pastor was, obviously he was, he was, uh, being tempted and he was, it's not like he Which just, pastor are you talking about right now? the, the big pastor that groomed the girl. Yeah. Like that thing doesn't, you don't Funny just, you, call him the you, big pastor. you don't, well, I'm assuming he's at a mega church. He was at a mega church. Yeah. So, okay. The pastor of the mega church, um, this past, you don't go from like not, you know, cheating on your wife to just straight up cheating with your wife, right? There are, there are steps that slow fade to give yourself away. Yeah, so there there are steps that get there, right? And so he wasn't fighting those things, which led him to that. And so the pastor, what I'm talking about, like every pastor not being perfect, is that when they are even like starting to be tempted, they are fighting. They're bringing people into their battles. Like it's not just something that they're hiding. They're alone. They're giving into this and it manifests in this huge way. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Does that make sense? And so like that, that is what I'm saying. That's what I look for in pastor. It's not someone who is, who I expect to be perfect, but it's someone who I know is, uh, is not going to live in their sin. So. I forget how I even started talking about me submitting to JD. Lord and, of the Flies. No, is we're so talking about sheep. We're talking about I'm a sheep, but I'm also a, a pastor, shepherd. shepherd. Yeah. So JD is the shepherd. Seems like it might be a flawed metaphor. I am a sheep. A new one. I am a sheep to JD, but I'm also a shepherd to others. We are all sheep to God. And then those sheep, those sheep aren't shepherds to others. They're just straight up sheep. No, those shepherds. Uh, or those sheep are built up 
There's some, a hierarchy. Some will be shepherds. There's a government in the church. Uh, no. Well, hierarchy. I guess it depends on what your definition One of. One person is the closest person to God, and then everyone else is... False. That is very away. false. Everybody okay. is at the same... Can have the same relationship with God. But some people are just, like, higher in status with God? More no. favorable? Nope. Everyone has the same... Can have the same relationship with God. Same status, just more power? Um... Communism? Same status... Uh, but some people have been given the burden of leadership. The burden of leadership. Yes, leadership is a burden. And that's why I'm Simon. I'm just going to go find a little bush to hide in and hallucinate in the woods. Uh, leadership is a burden, but there's also a lot of beauty in it. So, I'll just say that. <laughs> I wonder what that would make you in Lord of the Flies. Who did you... Do you remember when you no, read it? I, you related I legit... To? All I remember is someone, someone put the sheep or the cow's face on right pig the pig the pig's yeah. face on that's what stuck with you the most i remember that yeah they were trying to scare away the beast it was like an offering to the beast like here here's a pig's head but it was just food for the flies that pig was lord of the flies yep so um yeah i don't know who i would be i don't remember much from the book besides that there was a plane crash a bunch of boys running around you don't remember the ending of this book no crazy you need to reread it go ahead and take it i probably i guarantee you i won't do that grab that copy (laughs) it's a real quick reader i read it in like one day that's you i think i was supposed to read this in sixth grade and i probably read like two chapters and then just like looked on the internet for the rest i think a lot of books that people are pushed to read in middle school and high school aren't as meaningful as when you read them with a fully developed brain that's probably true can like have life experience at that point you know outside of yeah, I, I agree with that. Finds of a high school. I don't think that means that the schools should not make you read it. The one book that I did read was The Outsiders, and that was so oh juicy. Oh my gosh. I love that. Every boy who has never read a book has read The Outsiders. You're like, I never it's read so a book good. in my life, except S.E. Hinton, You Changed My Life. As I walked out onto the sunny sidewalk in the darkness of the movie house, I only had two things on my mind. Paul Newman and A Ride Home. <laughs> that's precious Thank do you. you remember the opening of any other book uh in the beginning uh... <laughs> <laughs> i probably should have seen that one coming yep yep um, but what's the lesson that you learned from the outsiders like what what did you take away from that just like you gotta wow. do it for johnny man do it for johnny oh that's so good Woo! do it for johnny that was good Tom Cruise was that was his most fitting role. What was uh what was uh Look at the sun, pony boy. What was that? What was Are Look at the sunset. Stay gold. Look, look at stay the gold, sunset. Stay gold, pony boy. Oh, stay gold, pony boy. But he also told him to look at Nature's the sunset. Nature's first green is gold. It's hard as you to hold. Yeah. It leaves a flower, but only so an hour. Come on. At least subsides to leaf. Hey. In Eden sank to grief. Yeah. So dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. You know what book I also did read though? The Giver. You ever read The Giver? Mm-mm. You've never read The Giver? No, I've never read The Giver. <gasps> Gasp. You should read The Giver. You but would... you know who was the most attractive person in all of The Outsiders? Who? In the books and in the movie. Soda Pop. Yeah. Soda Pop. Who played Soda Pop in the movie? Rob Lowe. Oh, okay. <laughs> like a rum, young Rob Lowe, yeah. you know? Um, no, the, the Giver, you would really like The Giver. 
Kana. Would I? Yeah. There's also a bad. movie. So, like, The Giver is, like, everything is in black and white. And it's, like, a society who uh, the, govern- the government took away all of the color and all of the memories so that way they could control the society. As one does. But there is one person uh, who has all of the memories and has all of, and sees in color and all that kind of stuff. And he's called the giver. And there's a receiver. And so this one guy, he uh, is given a job because the government gives jobs. And this one man does not get a job. Um, but later on, he, real, he he's told that he is the receiver. And so the story is the giver giving the receiver all of these memories. And so he starts off with like giving these good memories, like this beauty that is there that was in the world before they took it away. Um, and so like this guy's like, yeah, give me more, give me more, give me more. But then with the good memories, he also gives like the painful memories of like the war, of death of disease, like all of this kind of stuff that was not introduced into this new community. Um, and like, so he starts like getting all this kind of stuff. It is so good. So in the end, does it end with him being like, yeah, our current society is the best form of society or does it end with him being like, well, I don't want to give away the ending. Well, I'll give away the ending. I give away okay. the ending of, I'll give it away. Lord so the, the ending is, so there is like a, a boundary that is around the society. And if the receiver or the giver crosses the boundary, then all of them it's like broken and everyone like you know receives it all and so the last scene is um the receiver he uh jumps on a sled which is like it's so beautiful because one of the memories is sledding and he's just like he's never experienced this excitement before so in his memory he's just like so like whoa and so the ending scene is him on a sled going to the boundary and it's just, it is so beautiful. It is so deep. You would love it. So I recommend well, read. The Giver. Yeah. Did you read To Kill a Mockingbird? No. Did Were you, were you supposed to? Uh, I don't think so. Oh my gosh. Everyone should read To Kill a Mockingbird. What about Hamlet? I read Hamlet twice because I switched schools senior year. Is that so the I... one that's like a play now? Musical? What? Oh, that's Hamilton. Hamlet. Oh, I was going to say Hamlet has always been a play. From like day one, it was written as a play. Oh, Hamlet. That's like with Caesar? No, that's that's Julius Caesar. <laughs> What's Hamlet about? Hamlet. <laughs> prince Hamlet. There's a prince Hamlet? Or is that a, is that fiction? Fiction. Oh. Uh, nope, do you know The it. Lion King? I have read The Lion King. Or I haven't read The Lion King. I've seen The Lion King. It, that is based on... Well, actually, it's you all based on like the Northmen. Um, it was like this Danish, Vikings? this Danish tale. Yeah, and then... I can get down with Shakespeare Vikings. made it Hamlet, which then the Lion King is Hamlet, only you with all like the like crazy parts taken out. Because like in Hamlet, his uncle kills his dad. Whoa. He's he's the prince. His dad's the king. His uncle kills his dad, marries his mom. So his the uncle marries his brother's wife. And then they take power, and then he runs away, and he meet he his two so friends. He's, he's got two best friends, and then uh, they're like, "Okay, well, this is like what life is like outside of here." He gets kidnapped by pirates, and then he comes back, and it's just kind of like, "All right, guess what? I'm insane, and I hate you, my dear uncle." And it's like a whole thing, but it's basically the Lion King is kind of like Hamlet. That sounds crazy. It is crazy, but it's like one of my favorite actual, like I read Macbeth, I read Romeo and Juliet, uh, all those different Macbeth. plays, and I love Hamlet. Macbeth was a 
was a good one. Yeah. We acted that out in class, and then we watched it in high school. That's beautiful. We did Romeo and Juliet because mm. public school. Went to private school for like three weeks. Do not recommend. Loved public school. I <laughs> you get to, so much conversation out of it. I went to both. I recommend the private school. Really? We both did both experiences, and you recommend the private, and I recommend the public. Yeah. Interesting. It is interesting. Where we both ended up in life because of this. Yeah. At that, I think this has been a really great episode, actually. So mm-hmm. I am very happy that you came over and worked with me on this. I'm very happy that Lord of the Flies happened to be sitting on my couch right now. So it was very inspirational for this episode. I think we covered a lot of great topics, and I'm very excited to work on the next one. Yes, ma'am. All right. Fantastic. Deuces. Have a beautiful night. See you later. Da-da.